Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we proudly bring to you Mormonism Live! Shut up and sit down. You muted me, Bill Real, and then you, and no, then no. you said, no, no, no. I was let me, muted. Let me tell. No, no, hold on. I never. This first will off, not I never stand, said, sir. First off, I never said you were muted. Number one. I know, but you were thinking. I signaled steel third, and you picked up the sign. Now, second <laughs> off, is that I did mute you, but then I wasn't able to unmute you, which generally means at some point you remuted yourself. I probably did just to be All safe. Right. Double bagged for your protection. <laughs> you double bagger you. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good. Well, I'm doing fine, Maven. How are you? I'm doing great. We've got Thrive next week. Is it next week? Yeah, yeah not this coming not weekend, this weekend. But the, but the, but the weekend, weekend after. after. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Boy, it's it's looming on the horizon. Are you flying in or driving in? I'm to I'm doing both actually. I first I'm flying, then I'm driving. And after it's over, I'll be driving and then I'll be flying. Are you flying into Vegas and then driving to St. George? I am. I'm flying into Ooh. Vegas. I just took my kids to the casino in Vegas. Uh we we spent a weekend in Vegas. My daughter from California came up, and my son and my daughter both have never gambled. And they said, Dad, and I think it's a dad's duty to help encourage his kids to become <laughs> gambling addicts and to teach them some of the sinful behaviors of this world, mm -hmm. the dark and drear world. And so I took my kids, uh, I didn't do it in Vegas. Actually on the way home, we stopped in Mesquite, which is like Vegas, but like, light, but, but <laughs> extremely yeah, light, light. <laughs> like, like ready to die of starvation light. And, uh, took them to the Virgin river, which is the, the track again, no offense to the Virgin river, uh, but the trashiest of all the casinos in Mesquite. And we played craps and won money. Everybody won. And then we took our money over to the roulette table and we put it together and we did the martingale method, which is where you keep doubling down. Even if you lose, you just keep doubling down, right? Put five on black, you lose, you put 10 on black, you lose, you put 20 on black, you lose, you put 40 on black, you lose. <laughs> eventually it's going to be black. Eventually, or you end up losing thousands of dollars, but not, but majority of the time it's never seven or eight times in a row black and you almost always win money. And so right. we ended up winning there too. And uh, we took uh, enough, little bit of cash home that my kids were both smiling. It wasn't enough to change my world, but they were smiling as uh, two young adults who had a little bit more money in their pocket. And so it ended up being a good trip. So anytime they need a little extra money, they know to go to Mesquite. And, and use the Martingale method and don't blame me if they lose thousands of dollars. <laughs> it sounds yes, terrible. Exactly. I don't know why they'd be blaming you. <laughs> so there's that. Um, we'll jump into tonight. Tonight's episode is going to be extremely light. I think after last week's show and all the work that went into that, we needed, I think, just kind of a, a happy, happy episode to kind of chat about some things and have some laughs. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, Mormon cinema, the history of it. We had, uh, I'm sorry, we have uh, 
Brent Bakavoy on, and we'll go to him in just a moment. But I did want to just mention, folks, uh, we are at the beginning of the year. It's uh, February 15th, 2023. Uh, we would really appreciate, folks, for, for those who do donate, we deeply appreciate each of you. Um, it, it is amazing the sort of support that this that this umbrella gets and specifically Mormonism Live gets. And we deeply appreciate all the folks who do that. But for those who uh, maybe feel a prompting, uh, we would really appreciate donations. It's how we survive. And you can go to almost, or sorry, if you can go to mormonismlive.org. I'm doing too many podcasts today. Um, you can go to mormonismlive.org, click the donate button and make a recurring donation, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. You can do a one time as well, if that's what you want to do. But the recurring ones are a lot easier for us as an as a entity to kind of um, know are coming in and kind of prepare what we're going to do based on that. So donations, uh, just a little shout out for that. Please support the program by subscribing to our channel here on YouTube. If that's where you're watching, don't forget to leave us a, uh, a five-star review on Apple podcast or wherever you are listening to it. And Maven, you're always pointing this out. Don't forget that <laughs> Exmo shirts houses our merch. And so you can go to www.exmoshirts.com on the left-hand side of the screen. They'll have their different, uh, brands and categories at the very bottom there is Mormonism or Mormon Discussion Incorporated. If you click that, all your favorite ones is Radio Free Mormon, uh, Rami Umpton Ruminations, Marriage on a Tight Marriage on a Tightrope, but especially here, uh, Mormonism Live merchandise. There, they don't have the new logo up yet, RFM. But I just want to say I love your new logos; those are gorgeous. Thank you. I should give a shout out at this point to a listener to the show who does this professionally and has his office in San Francisco. He is a mover and a shaker, and he was very kind and gracious enough to work with me. This was a, a mutually evolving project actually over several months, and we finally got it nailed down. And I'm very, very happy with it, and very grateful for the help of this individual who probably, well, I'm not sure if he wants to be named, so I'll err on the side of caution. Gotcha, gotcha. And I want does, to jump yeah, in. Yeah, sorry, I want to jump in before Please. we bring on our guest. Um, and I, first of all, say thank you uh, for the donation to Mo, uh, who's a regular listener. But that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> so what I wanted to say was, I think um, I'm looking forward to this episode. I think it's going to push me beyond my comfort zone uh, a time or two, maybe. But I, I, I'm going to have fun with it. And I want everyone to know that I am here and participating completely on my own choice, which is, uh, I wanted to say, I think because of the last time we had a Bakavoy on, which was David, that was about human sexuality. And I just like timed out on that one because it's just not something that I have a lot of knowledge or experience on. And even though it was coming from an anthropological perspective, which is also, you know, what my background is in, um, an anthropological look at human sexuality is not part of it. Surprisingly, uh, BYU's anthropology program does not have a course on sexuality. So anyway, I just wanted to listen. And then it ended up there. It caused a little, just a tiny bit of controversy from it just being all men on the screen uh, talking about sexuality. And some people were really uncomfortable um, just by women being kind of referred to as an animal, which that's, that is the anthropological perspective, not just women, but all humans, we are all animals. So our sexuality, yeah. it was kind of looked at in kind of a, uh, what is it like, um, maybe a clinical kind of a way that people aren't used to. And so, and the fact that I wasn't on, I think I now in retrospect, looks like a mistake. So I'm trying to undo that now, uh, with Brent coming on. So, awesome. Well, let's, yep. let's bring him on. So let me pull him up. 
Brent, how are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm a big fan of everyone here. Awesome. There's Brent Bakavoy, David Bakavoy's little brother. It's kind of like having Jerry Van Dyke on the show. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so I've been a huge fan of RFM and Bill Real for years. And then just recently, a big fan of Maven and actually just met her at a um, just two days ago. At We went to the um, the screening of the return of Elder Pingree, which yeah. was an interesting documentary about this guy that went to guatemala and then tw 25 years later he is a kind of a non-believer mormon he ended up visiting uh the people that he taught so very interesting film that i met maven and actually i just i saw part of her uh, mormon stories with john lynn so huge fan of all you guys so thanks for having me on and by the way, Maven, your jewelry is incredibly beautiful. That's awesome looking. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So um, let's jump into it. So Brent, we had you on tonight. You, you've got a project going. We'll talk about your project at the end. I think it's just, if I can say hilarious and um, incredible in terms of what it connects to. And I think we all need to sort of laugh at a little bit of Mormonism, specifically in the area, that, Maven, as you said, sexuality, um, because it, it does a lot of things that cause some harm, right? And uh, some shame and all of that. But before we do that, we thought we'd go through kind of the history of Mormon cinema. And so we'll put your PowerPoint up on the screen uh, and feel free to give us any introduction of anything you want to say before we jump into it. Whoops, sorry, Maven. And uh, feel free to take us kind of where you want us to go on this trip. Cool. I'll just say very briefly, yeah, I was raised in the, the LDS church and then I left about two years after my uh mission and it's been about 20 years and i just recently about three years ago started making uh coming up with a idea for a post-mormon movie that's inspired by my life and so i just made that and then i just started researching post-mormon cinema and so i wrote this slideshow that um we'll talk about and then talk later about the the film that i made awesome excellent so um, any thoughts here on slide number one? This is just kind of kind of the prepper for us, right? Yeah, so kind of the introduction of what post-Mormon cinema is and isn't, and I'll, I'll read that. So it's movies for Latter-day Sinners, post-Mormon or ex-Mormon movies, or it could even be called bad Mormon cinema, <laughs> are films or shows that feature lead characters that are Mormon, yet, that, that, yet don't necessarily portray them or the church as a whole as saints or divine they are not anti-mormon films where the main purpose is to attack or lead people away from the lds church and they are not part of the traditional mormon cinema where the films are generally made for active lds members and often have been have some underlining message about the divinity divinity of the lds church so that's what post-mormon cinema is and is not and so the next couple slide shows we'll talk a little bit about the history of mormon cinema and traditional mormon cinema Sweet. I don't think we can use bad Mormon cinema, though, because that might be trademarked. Yeah, we might get sued from a couple different people. <laughs> yeah. One of those entities has a lot of money to spend on frivolous lawsuits if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of your and I hard-earned uh, tithing dollars. All right, take us to slide number two, Maven. Sweet. Um, let me jump in here. I'll read this one if that's all right with you guys. In early 1900s, there were several silent movies that dealt with Mormons. Almost all were negative towards the church, such as films as The Mormon Maid and A Victim of 
Mormons most revolved around a Mormon man kidnapping a woman and then forcing her to become one of his many wives. A 1940 young Vincent Price played Joseph Smith in the Western Brigham Young. And the only one of these I'm familiar with, Brent, is the Brigham Young movie, which I owned on a VHS tape, which I don't have anymore because nobody makes VCRs, I don't think. But I had uh, I had that movie, watched it. Um, I'll say that I wasn't deeply entertained by it, uh, but I'm not familiar with these other two uh, at all. I, th I think the Brigham Young, I think that was about the first one that was like a mainstream Mormon film that is just is, well, not made to be negative like the other like a mormon made and victim of mormons they're very negative and very anti-mormon so it's interesting to see brigham young as a pretty big hollywood film with vincent price right and there's dean jagger i watched this by the way after i was baptized but before i went on my mission so i'm watching it on this thing called tv where you actually have to wait until it's going to be broadcast and then schedule yeah. yourself to be in front of the tv set so you don't miss it and then there's all these things called commercials that you have to sit through. But yeah, I watched this and I thought it was great. The thing that struck me was Vincent Price, right? Playing Joseph Smith. And you know, the amazing thing, he's not on there long because it's about Brigham Young, right? The amazing thing was, is that when he's in Carthage and the mob is closing in, that Vincent Price shouts, help me, help me. <laughs> and what's that from? I did, I did not see that coming. Yeah, that's, was that's that supposed good... to be like the Masonic... Uh plea for help but just shortened or, or what was that? <laughs> i think he was saying it to john taylor right before he pulled the trigger on it <laughs> or it's a good flight or it's a flight, <laughs> i am never gonna this is like the running gag of yeah, all running so we gags. cover it it's never gonna live it down <laughs> oh my gosh yes uh, but yeah i thought it was good because it's was it warner brothers it's some major studio makes a movie about brigham young does a very very nice job of it very positive about the mormons and going west to utah and you know, all their struggles and the whole Siegel thing is there in it, I, I recall, too. Um, and Dean Jagger, I believe, as a result of making this picture, ends up joining the LDS church. So he's full-blown Mormon when he's appearing as the general in White Christmas. Well, yeah, someone just commented or asked, is, is the Brigham Young movie rated R? And yeah, they didn't have rated R movies and back then. So it's definitely, yeah, it's a very, it's a wholesome and it's not, it's not really negative towards the church. So it's a pretty, pretty mainstream Mormon movie. Yes, they don't like talk was, about the. Oh, I was just going to say, in answer to RFM's uh, question, it looks like it's 20th, 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox, not Warner Brothers. Well, Warner Brothers missed a, missed a good one on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, they don't talk about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. That goes unremarked on in the movie. It's just very, very positive. It's one of these movies from the 1940s where you're not going to really get into a lot of controversial stuff about these historical figures. Stuff so, it down, but Tyrone don't Power. talk about your feelings. Just, let's just portray the bare, bare bone facts. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, anything else needs to be said here, Brent, about these three? I don't think so. I think we're ready. Uh, for the, the next one is, oh, well, the next two ones are a big sigh. So yeah, Elias produced Mormon cinema. I think we're all familiar with, it, it's, Elias Church started producing their own films in the 1950s and we all are familiar with Johnny Lingo. Yeah, where you objectify the girl you want to marry by isn't that, comparing isn't that her worth like, of that. Yeah, No, no, because if you objectify a woman as being worth a lot of cows, then that's okay, objectification. Oh, but, is it? Yeah, right, right. That <laughs> uh, those two that cow wives, yeah. Right, yeah, just in case anyone missed it. but I, I haven't seen that in probably 20 years, but I can only imagine it's even worse than... 
<laughs> interesting about 10 years 10 years ago yeah. they made a, a, a feature length remake of that the, the whole Johnny Lingo that was a pretty mainstream Mormon film I would I would say that um, a, a TBM a, a true believing Mormon today would say that Johnny Lingo is an example of elevating women so <laughs> Anyway, yeah, on the that's just something path. I hear a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. did you? Are you guys familiar with the pump? It's on. It's, I, it's, yeah, I, I hope am. you're talking about a movie right now. <laughs> it's most, it's the next. It's the next yeah. film. It's a short film. It's the most disturbing film I've ever saw. Our home teacher showed this to me when I was about eight years old, and it's about some guy lost in the desert, and he comes across. He's so he's really he's looking for water he's totally desolate and so he, he finds a water pump and he finds a little uh, water container in there with a note saying that you need to this one water cup is to prime the pump so don't drink it but of course he ends up drinking it and dies as opposed to priming the pump but it shows him literally dying on the desert desert floor and i still traumatized to this day as an eight-year-old seeing this guy uh, you know, out in the desert. Is the way you're describing it, it seems like it connects to your featured film that we're going to talk about later. You know, in what way? Well, well priming the pump. I... <laughs> that's a, that's a, oh, man. a good one. Hey, this is a family show, guys. Yeah, yeah let's keep it clean. I, I have yeah. to say, I was also traumatized by this short film, and I'd seen others, and I felt like so many others had a really positive message, and so. I felt really, I remember feeling really disturbed after seeing this one with my family. I think we watched it as like a family home evening or something. And I was thinking like, I don't, is this really a Mormon movie? Because I usually feel good after a Mormon show, not like bad. And so, yeah, but I mean, it's it, the harsher side of things here. And the whole, the point of it is basically kind of the same thing as, uh, you know, at trading your eternal salvation for, you know, little trinkets or whatever, instead of having, um, you know, instead of using this water to prime the pump so that it'll, you know, bring forth a ton of water that he could have lived off of and survived off of and maybe made it out of the desert. Um, he just went for the quick and easy right then and there and then was unable to access you know, this resource that was there. And so, yeah, it was one of the, you know, more harsher uh, ideas, I guess, or, or I, I mean, doctrines, one of the, just kind of the harsher side of Mormonism. Uh, totally harsh and totally creepy. And that's, I'm sure that's what, uh, how I ha end up having a love for horror films because it's always oh, a horror film. It's traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what I always thought was like, it's a, it's still a risk, you know, so the note says to to pour this water, you know, to use the water to prime the pump. So it'll. But what if it didn't work? You know, I know. It's, you're right. A it's, a, it's a gamble. So, yeah, it's a exactly. Gamble. And then he would have neither. And so I just I think that was what made it so unsettling for me was like maybe I didn't know if I would necessarily trust this random note to dump out the only water that I found when I'm lost in the desert um, and, you know, potentially waste it for maybe maybe it'll work. Maybe it's not enough water to prime the pump, you know? And I don't know that water is actually a good primer. I kind of feel like I, I maybe I don't know I, about this, but anyway, it just seemed, I just didn't like it. I love that they're covering the Dallas Cowboys running back Emmett Smith, the Emmett Smith story. That, that to me is really cool. Like bringing, you know, football into it. Who, who the hell is a Mormon Wait, Emmett Smith? The, huh? the Emmett Smith story at the top of uh, the pump. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. That's, oh that's gosh. Yeah. I just thought, you know, one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, they played for I, the I don't know what that is. That's that's pretty funny. But did you guys see the the? Did you ever see the phone call? That's another one worth mentioning. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good about one. A, yeah, a good one that uh, like everyone from the '90s saw, like a seminary movie about this yeah. really awkward kid. And that's actually a little bit inspired from by my movie, just an awkward Mormon kid trying to call like a, a lo his love interest on the phone. Okay. And I don't even know how what it was date. related to. I don't even know how it yeah. was related to Mormonism. It was just a funny, silly movie. I heard it was also like, an inspiration for Napoleon Dynamite. Probably, I, I could totally yeah. see that. Yeah, or any of the major motion picture called When a Stranger Calls. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no. Are any of these the movie where the the old ladies in the living room with like ten children and she's like, "Here, touch the hand, touch the hand that touch the hand that touch the hand of the prophet Joseph Smith," you know? Which at now knowing Joseph Smith's history, it's like gross. Like, wash your hands. <laughs> yeah, no. I, what 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 is, what is that? I don't know that one. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what the name of the lady is, but it's like true story. She was, uh, it's a little small film the church put together. Uh, it's the same one, same old lady who did the mailbox one. Yeah, she plays Lethe. Yeah. And uh, in the film, there's a bunch of little kids and she just shares with them that she, her hand had held her father's hand. Um, and, and then her father had held the hand of the prophet Joseph Smith. So now these kids were holding the hand that had held the hand that had held the hand of the prophet Joseph Smith. Mm. Wow. Anyway, can I, <laughs> you know. I, sorry, I'm just, I want to bring up from the comments, someone uh, brought up Mr. Kruger's Christmas. Yeah, I don't think at least I saw that one. Slides. Yeah, I just remember at, on my mission, we had, we got a bunch of those for some reason. And so <laughs> at, at Christmas time, like we were trying to give those out and, um, and now I'm going to be embarrassed because I'm forgetting the name of the guy. So I need RFM. Jimmy Stewart. Yes, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, There's somebody so here trying, who does a great Jimmy Stewart impression. I, so I was, well, I kept trying to use the Jimmy Stewart angle to make people more interested in the movie because, of course, yeah, I'm like trying to draw the classic, you know. Um, anyway, and like it didn't work. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, for some reason, was not enough to sell Mr. Cruz. Neither is the Book of Mormon, though, so it was worth trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, we tried, but yeah, I think I will always think of my mission, uh, for that film. Anyway, we ended Mr. up Kruger's we ended up leaving random copies on people's porches <laughs> with like a pass along card. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. We could keep going. I want to hear about Clarence getting his wings. Clarence, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Yeah, is that good? <laughs> there's my there's my Jimmy Stewart. Okay. We, we by, the way, <laughs> by the way, I remember when this came out because I had just joined the church. It was huge. I mean, Jimmy Stewart's doing the Mormon movie. We practically got him baptized. And this rumor, this rumor went around, which I remember to this day because President Kimball, of course, was the head of the church at the time. And President Kimball picks up the phone. He's talking to Jimmy Stewart because they don't have, you know, agents or anything. And uh, he's talking to Jimmy Stewart and Jimmy Stewart declines at first playing this role. And everybody's looking at, you know, President Kimball going, dang, man, we really wanted to get Jimmy Stewart. And President Kimball sits back in Yoda-like fashion and says, oh, he'll be calling back. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> well, I, I guess when they have $200 billion in their uh, their tank, it, it could probably get them pretty good. Everybody has a price. Pretty easily, yeah. Um, any other thought? Legacy was interesting. And from a believing perspective, Legacy was certainly deeply faith-promoting. 
Um, Testaments, I also really enjoyed as a believer. There are, there's this one moment where the dad who's blind at that point and, and Jesus comes right in front of him and, you know, heals his eyesight and he gets to see, and I couldn't, I couldn't not cry in that moment. Like the church does, the church knows how to build an emotional moment and have you feel things. Yeah. Mm. I just, I saw, I saw the Testaments just a few months after I mission. And I remember that exact part that you're talking about, Bill is he, you know, puts his hands on his head and like, and when he opens his eyes, I literally, I had to try so hard not to like literally weep like a bait. Like yeah. I, I like, I tried to like crunch it in and, but I was getting so ready, like to like burst out and like literally cry like a little baby. So, but yeah, I enjoyed it at, you know, the time 20 years ago. Yeah. Can I say I the think, interesting thing? Go ahead, Maven, please. I was, was going to say what, what I know the Testaments for now is I think probably the worst example of, uh, I'm sorry, my my words what? today are just white people playing dark Brown people. Face. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's like um, nearly all of the actors are are white people from Utah, and they're all their skin is made darker so they can be. I mean, even even the Nephites, they're yeah. So the, well, I think this is the one with the most amount. I think it's the most egregious example of a, yeah. a Mormon film doing this. Mm. And what's crazy about that? It wasn't that long ago. I mean, it wasn't in the 1970s or eight. Like it was literally, it was like early 2000s, just 20 years ago that they made that. So like it's kind of shocking that they would still do that. Yeah. One of the things I, I find interesting mm. about it is that the church officially endorses a Mesoamerican context for the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Very this much. This is so. in upstate New York <laughs> for sure. Right. This this is totally Mesoamerica. You can see from the cover. It's not last of the Mohicans. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I do want to I want to shout out this comment here. Um the, there is a YouTube channel called Hard to Find Mormon Videos, and they have they are a treasure trove of a lot of these. If anybody wants to go and either see them for the first time um or you know do it for the, the nostalgia. I agree. I've so, seen many. I, I think they have the phone call and the pump. Like they have tons of good, weird seminary films on there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've taken one? about half an okay. hour on yeah. this first slide. Yeah. So <laughs> if this, we keep going at this rate, we'll be here till midnight. Yeah. So this slide is our last big sigh until like the fun stuff comes up. So it's another big sigh. This is Mormon, mod, you know, modern Mormon cinema. So now we can talk about the, the traditional Mollywood films. Yeah. And we, you know, we interviewed uh, RFM had scheduled the interview with Richard Dutcher, and we had a great conversation about God's Army and and Brigham City and the God Army Part Two. But uh, I'm trying to remember what the states of grace. Is. Yeah, states of grace, and I really enjoyed all of them. Um, but it it does seem like there was a lot of movies around that same time that tried to piggyback on that. And uh, I know we Mormons were deeply wanting movies to kind of affiliate our beliefs with but some of these were really bad <laughs> yeah like but the original like richard dutcher he had created some grace so, like god's yeah. army was solid brigham young or brigham city was really good and states of great uh the his second one states of grace was really solid yeah and i know that he had a hard time because they had this platform for several years but he talked about all they made was just kind of silly comedies like all these most of these ones right here but yeah. like do you guys have any favorite or least favorite of? I love the of soundtrack for Sons of Provo. <laughs> it's the best, yeah. hands down. I still think it's 
I thought it was hilarious as a believer and I still think it's hilarious now. I, one of the songs is like, <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong, but like Big Mac Whack Mormon Daddy <laughs> is my favorite. So if you haven't heard that one, you should Could you sing a few out. bars of that? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, because obviously you need a priesthood voice for it, so I wouldn't be able to provide that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think one of my favorite favorite lines is about like having the keys to the gym, and that's like, yeah, like this this is this is a status symbol of my <laughs> my Mormon patriarchy. I guess it's like I can get us in the gym anyway. It's it's great. It's great. And I like The Other Side of Heaven, the movie that Anne Hathaway has been trying to live down for the past 25 years or so. I'll yeah. tell you a little inside story on this one. So what? the movie's based on the mission of John Groberg. Right. And uh, the movie portrays uh, his mission a certain way. And John Groberg has a brother, about the same age as him. Um, and John Groberg's brother came to the Cleveland Stake in Ohio and gave a talk. And he shared at length about his brother's mission. And he says that the movie was highly embellished. Like the way he described the events were very different and much more mundane than the movie portrayed it. And I remember watching the movie and thinking like, oh, like here's the miraculous. And, uh, and when I heard the brother tell the story, it was like this big letdown. I could just feel the air going out of me and, and I could sense like, oh. Like Mormonism might do this thing where certain stories get embellished to be faith promoting and it may not be exactly the way things happen. You mean he didn't get the gift of tongues like automatically when he's out there praying in agony on the beach? He worked his butt off to learn the language and eventually learned it. And that's, like the, me? that's the only one. That's the only one that even comes close to sort of miraculous. And we all understand that, you know, when you when you dive into languages that you are going to make progress Anything else in the story, it just, it, again, it's just a, not quite the way John Groberg experienced it. Without well, one, it was had, really, oh, go ahead, Maven. I had a, she was a really sweet lady. Of course, we always say that about sisters in the Relief Society. She was older, but I remember, I, I'd already like lived in foreign countries at this point, but I remember this, this lady telling me very sincerely that if I were to read the Book of Mormon in the language I was studying, um, that I would know it by the end of the book. And I just wonder if she got that from that film or not. But again, at this point, like I, you know, I having worked really hard to never uh, just to stay terrible at a foreign language, which is Japanese. Um, I was like, that's not how it works. And I mean, the Japanese Book of Mormon is very nice to have like the phonetic alphabet above the Chinese characters. So it was technically readable by me because I do the phonetic alphabet, but there's just no way that reading, especially in scriptural language, that doesn't give you anything, even if you can understand that with like day-to-day -day stuff. Anyway, Seems like the worst mind. thing you could do is read scripture in another language, expecting <laughs> to learn the language. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting kind of about, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brent. <laughs> oh, I just, the other side of heaven is probably the most mainstream Mormon movie, but they specifically tried to downplay the Mormon aspect. I think they only mentioned the word Mormon one time. And, it, and I remember a lot of active LDS members at the time were very disappointed that like they just purposely tried to downplay it. Yeah. And I thought saints and Sh soldiers was good. I enjoyed that movie. Um, Again, you can kind of sense the the religiosity of it, but uh, I, I thought it was, again, compared to these other movies we're talking about, it was one of my better ones on the list. 
you know what was really good was the best two years. I saw that about you know 13, 14 years ago as a non-believer, and I thought that is actually a really good movie with a solid mm -hmm. message and a serious attempt at Mormon cinema. Sweet. Oh, and I guess so. The Book of Mormon movie. Did, have you guys seen that? Mm, no. Yes. Oh, and so it, wish it I hadn't. came out about fifteen years ago, and <laughs> it's. I've never walked out of a movie. I saw this in the theater and I've never walked out of a movie in my entire life until I watched the Book of Mormon movie. And I walked out and I asked for my money back and it was at a dollar theater. It was so bad. I asked for my $1 back and I saw about 25 minutes of it. And it was the most ridiculous. It was bad. Movie. Like I could have, I, when I saw it, I thought, you know, this could actually be entertaining because it's so bad. Like if you're watched with, ex-mormons because it could you could laugh at it but i was just literally i was the only person in the theater and like i just had to leave after 25 minutes yeah that's for my one dollar back it was one dollar too many yep. yeah i understand there's an mst 3000 version of that coming out the what i hope i did that right <laughs> this yeah mystery mst science 3000 theater. mystery yeah. science theater oh oh yeah yeah oh of oh. course yeah, i love them <laughs> that'd be great i'd watch oh, that That'd be, that'd be amazing. A mockumentary. Yeah. Okay. So this is our last of like, yeah, now we're getting the exciting stuff. Let's get to the post-Mormon cinema. Planten mm. from Outer Space. What the hell is this? <laughs> it's the craziest movie you've ever seen in your life. So in 1994, Utah-based filmmaker Trent Harrison made a crazy movie called Planten from Outer Space. And it's based, or the name is taken from the Ed Wood movie, from the 1950s Plan 9 Outer Space about aliens. But this one is about aliens from the planet Kolob, and they descend upon a Mormon community in Utah. And uh, it's really one of the weirdest films, and someone should read the back of this DVD because it's, it's really bonkers. And they have beehives for heads. Yes, it's every single scene is like a weird take on Mormonism. I can read it. I, I need to make this bigger on my screen, though. Okay. Um, Okay, so it says it is Fellini on an Edward budget. This sci-fi comedy is an outrageous concoction of sexual fantasy, conspiracy theory, and religious satire. It begins when Lucinda Hall, as Stephanie Russell, deciphers a century-old book penned by a mad Mormon prophet, which was in the Deseret Alphabet, if I if I recall correctly. It's in its pages she discovers a diabolical plot hatched by Nihor, Karen Black a peeved alien from the planet Kolob. As Lucinda frantically tries to uncover the secret of the bees, she is sucked into a strange world filled with spacemen, polygamists, and angels. I love right below it. It says that uh, Rocky Horror meets the Mormons. And then also- <laughs> that's, a true, that's, a state, that's a totally true statement. Yeah. So my story about this, I have seen this one. <laughs> and it was from a, a Reddit link. It was uh, several years ago. Someone, I think when- um, it was actually, yeah, when COVID shutdowns were kind of starting. So someone had posted a link to YouTube, I think, for this and was just like, hey, if you're stuck inside and you're bored, you know, tonight, it was like a Friday night. They're like, watch this. And I hadn't been feeling good anyway that day. So I was like, okay. Um, and what what was funny was, you know, they said, here's the link. You're welcome. And so I watched it and I, I felt that the you're welcome was premature. I was I just like, I don't know what <laughs> What did I just watch? <laughs> it's, it's one of those. It's really one of the most bizarre movies you'll ever see. Yep. Yeah, the I'm song I liked most it. from it was There's a Light Over at the Beehive House. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving 
if if anybody has the link to that, send it. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to uh, yeah. alter my I'm consciousness sure one night and sit back and watch that maybe. I'm sure our audience will come through. So I think we probably, most of us heard, have heard of this. Orgasmo, they actually came yes. out on my on my mission and I was fascinated by it. So, but I, I didn't see it until a couple years after my mission. And oh. it's certainly, it's made by uh, Trey Parker, uh, who along with Matt Stone made, of course, the Book of Mormon musical and the crazy South Park series, but also the, the South Park episode with, with you know, the Mormon episode. It, that episode... It's at a moment in time where Mormonism hasn't come out with its gospel topic, topic essays. It's way before the church is being any level of transparent about its history. And I remember my brother watching that episode and he just like, my, my brother's younger than me, four years younger. And he just like laughed at me and mocked me for like an hour. Just get, just, you know, dumb, 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 you know, just doing the whole yeah. thing. And I was trying to defend it, but in reality, let's just, let's give Trey Parker and, uh, uh, Matt Stone credit they they got Mormon history much more accurate than the church did at the time. Yeah, what's crazy? Yeah, they made it so he was looking through the the hat with the seer stones and everything like oh it's an anti Mormon yeah, commercial, but obviously that's changed in the last few years. It's the it's the moment in time where I thought the 116 pages and the reasoning Joseph Smith gave for why he had to start over with a new set of the the gold plates, new a new part of the gold plates to translate, and the first time in my life where I'm like. That doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> well, it was one of those weird moments in history where South Park is actually giving a more accurate version of LDS history than the LDS church is. Yeah, totally. Completely. Also, what's interesting, it seems like a lot of active LDS members actually like that episode for ever since it came out. So it's pretty interesting. And I still haven't seen the Book of Mormon musical. Have you guys all I haven't either. It? I need to see that. I, I love it. You haven't Do seen you? it, RFM? Oh, I had man. tickets, but then COVID got in the way. Oh no! Yeah, no. When I when I'm in kind of like a funk in the middle of my day, and I just can't get myself going. Sometimes, like I will put on Book of Mormon musical, and I am singing it, or at least lip syncing if I'm trying not to disturb my TBM family. <laughs> and it just like I just energizes me. It's the best. I might have all of it memorized, maybe. It's really bizarre how popular it has become in like one of the biggest shows of all time made over $500 million. It's just, it's really pretty crazy that. Yeah. And backyard professor acknowledges that all of them we've covered so far are better than the temple movie. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the temple movie just needs a few songs and some choreography. A little more Jesus and less loud laughter. And now we've done it. So well, loud yeah. laughter is okay now. That's what I mean. Yeah. We're all, we're all set. <laughs> a laugh track would be in order, perhaps yeah. for the Temple movie, <laughs> the endowment, the musical. Yes, that was going to be my. That was you guys stole my joke. That was going to be my joke for my when I start talking about my movie. I, I'm going to say that I was so pumped up because I now hear that loud laughter is in, and I was planning on right. hiring. I was planning on hiring <laughs> ushers to uh, go through my, come to my movie screening and make sure no one laughs too loud but now it's in so yeah there, no one covenants these eternal covenants that never change have now changed to the point that loud laughter is allowed when it wasn't yeah. <laughs> i gotta tell you back in the 1980s i went to the dallas temple shortly <laughs> after it opened it was like a day-long thing because it took three hours to drive there from austin and three hours back 
and I didn't want to go, but dang, you know, you got to do it right because I'm a righteous Mormon. I did not want to go, but I go there. There's this other guy. I won't mention his name, but he was very TBM, as was I at the time. The thing that surprised me is that every time we sat through the endowment, when the minister, would, the, the Protestant minister, the one who's not there anymore, would start talking about, you know, he's being the hireling of Satan and trying to preach about God who is, uh, t- what is it? Um, he's small enough to dwell in your heart, yet big enough to sit on the topless, top of a topless throne, all that kind of stuff. This friend of mine would laugh out loud in the endowment to show that he appreciated the humor of this. And he did it every single time. He would laugh out loud in the endowment. And I'm sitting next to him and I'm wanting to find some other place to move to, but all the seats are taken. So even he at that time in the endowment itself was laughing out loud. Somebody's asking if we made the covenant before and the covenant is completely changed, are we still under covenant not to loud to laugh loudly? Or is it done away because now it's no longer part of the eternal plan of our father in heaven? Well, I think that's I'm under covenant not to laugh loudly, but all the dead people from here on out that I'm doing it in proxy for, they've got to pass. Yeah. There so, you go. What, year, what year did you guys go through the temple, RFM and Bill? 1979. Oh, 1997. So back when the endowment was true. Yeah. So RFM, you definitely got the, yeah, you got that. Did you, what year did you say, Bill? 97. Oh, that's the penalties were gone, but they still had the sandwich board slide or the sandwich board film garment that you wore on each, you know what I mean? The sandwich board. And that was around my year too. One man would reach in with oil and touch you in lots of places. And then another man would come along with water and touch you in lots of places. That was my favorite uh, part. They don't touch you (laughs) anymore. You know what? That, when I when I went through that, um, that was a huge turning point for me because I went. Yeah, so it was about ninety seven that I, I went through there, and I so I so you you wear this sheet that's you're totally naked underneath, and when I, when I sat down, I, I should have realized you you can like tuck it in that would be better, but like it was went from my neck to my knees, so I was had like three feet of like exposure, completely naked. Never had anyone in my life see me naked and like touch every part. And I felt so uncomfortable. And I remember telling my mom right afterwards, I said, this is all symbolic. Why do we have to be naked? And I really think they should change. Even as true believing Mormon in 97, 98, like I said, I think they're going to, I think they're going to, and I think they should change it. And five, six years ago, five, six years after that, they did change. I think longer ago than that, because I I know when I went through, I, I had, they had me put my garments on before that part. Uh, but I still covenanted to hearken to my husband. So, of course. Yep. Somebody made the point you used to be completely naked in a bathtub. So the shield was an upgrade. And now today, <laughs> yeah. you just nobody touches you and you wear the, full the clothes. The old timers so. are like, you kids, you're just a big bunch of complainers <laughs> and whiners. <laughs> Back uh, in my day. Yeah. Yeah. We used to all hop in a bathtub and get touched naked. <laughs> <laughs> are we ready to go on to the next slide? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, this this is a tough one. Have you guys seen this one? Latter days, you haven't seen that. I haven't, maybe. but there's it's, already been comments about it being. Rough. It's seriously, it's it's so good, but it's so tr- triggering and like it's it's tough. So yeah, so it came out in 2003, and um, as opposed to Orgasmo, it's a serious attempt at dramatic cinema, and the film is about a Mormon missionary in L.A. who falls in love with his neighbor, who just happens to be a man. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt also stars in the film as a missionary. 
That's what it, got it, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. So, but it's it's powerful and it's crazy triggering. Like, but it's still one of those films. Like, it's it would be nice to see with a true believing Mormon to show them like the the how negative like some people feel towards especially you know the LGBTQ community like the way that they're treated and so it's it's a powerful film but huge trigger warning so it's mm. it's it's a tough one but it's great um someone said that there were bomb threats at some theaters when this came out wow I, I, have you guys heard that no okay so i could imagine but yeah wow yeah, the was... book of mormon movie had bomb threats too but that was actually about the movie itself <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of bomb <laughs> Oh. It is is a bomb. Yeah. Okay. Are we good on this one? Yeah. Okay. So, Trapped by the Mormons. Uh, I was talking earlier. It was one of the the original anti Mormon films that came out in the 1920s. And someone um, in 2005, a former a former Mormon filmmaker uh, named Ian Allen made a remake. And it's actually interesting. I you could see it on Vimeo if you search. And it's a feature length film. It's a black and white silent and it's pretty faithful until near the, near the end, like vampires show up and it just becomes fun, weird, crazy. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't, I haven't seen anyone from the chat yet, but it looks I, like a good one to see. I love their, I love the, the remake. I love their uh, tagline though, where um, if you see one, if you only see one Mormon exploitation flick this year, make it trapped by the Mormons. I mean, it's a great tagline. Nice. Yes, the gawker appears to have given it two thumbs up. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> it seems as though that might have been the only Mormon movie made that decade, right? <laughs> All right. So, big love. <laughs> what do you guys think? Now you know how I feel, Bill. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> now, hold on. Let's go back just real quick. Just real quick. When was okay. this movie made? So that was in 2005. So 2005. The other. Yeah, the last one, in the, the latter days, that was made in 2003. Sorry, so I, were, I didn't hear the 2005. This looked like something out of the 30s or something. Yeah, I, so, as I said, so this was, that picture is from the original Trapped by the Mormons in the 1920s, and they made a remake of it in 2005. So it's just a remake of the very old one. It's, a, it's still silent. Yeah. It was the, but with vampires. Right, but was the, yeah. if you see only one Mormon exploitation flick, it, it, they weren't talking about the original then. They're talking about the 2005. No, it, it's, just, it's just like a funny thing because how many Mormon exploitation flicks really come out every year? Yeah, not so. very many. Okay. It's like a breakfast good. cereal commercial, Trapped by the Mormons, now with vampires. There you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Those are the little marshmallows. Right. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, I think we both went. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. Big love. I just started I watching this. I just I've, started, this I've seen two episodes. Um, I just started watching it maybe a couple of weeks ago. And when I'm in the mood to watch some TV and my wife's not around because we have our shows we watch, I'm starting to watch this. I haven't really seen much of it, but I did. I remember when it, they, they did the Temple episode, a lot of it was produced by Tom Hanks and a lot of LDS members started really hating on Tom Hanks because they made it. It showed actually full on Temple ceremonies. And I remember there was a lot of controversy and I saw the episode. I've only seen a couple episodes of that. Yes. I remember that as the big controversy. I never watched any of it because no, not going there, not going to watch Same. that anti-Mormon stuff. 
And it was a big deal about the temple ceremony. And I think I was busy clutching my pearls with the rest of the Relief Society. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and besides, they weren't proper Mormons anyway. You know, they're, they're giving the yeah. rest of us a bad name. And I'll, I'll tell you, too, I watched Angels in America and I liked it, but it was weird and very different than I was expecting the movie to be. Hmm. I haven't seen it, but I want to see it. Al Pacino, Meryl Streep, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, each each series. Is it true that Greg Brady was in that? I don't know. I don't I don't know that. Okay. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Okay. The same. September Dawn. And I heard about this one too, and I did not watch it. Thank you very much, sir. I I saw this as well and uh um sort of enjoyed it. Yeah, it was interesting, huh? It was unique. Like I saw that when it first came out, and I enjoyed it in a way. I I haven't seen it since then, but it was. And John Voight's one of those guys. He's in a million movies, you know. Yeah. Uh, John Voight. There was about a decade there. About every other movie, John Voight was in. Mm -hmm. But you know, it it was something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Book of Zombies. So this is a crazy movie that came out in 2010 it's a no budget movie that you can watch on youtube and it looks like it's no budget but it's actually there's some actually some clever dialogue that's if you search the book of zombie on youtube it's 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 entertaining is it did this come out before or after Shaun of the dead uh Shaun of the dead would, would have been before this is 2010 Shaun of the dead was probably what 2007 or well, I can look um, it up I've never really heard of this one. Yeah, I'll read it. So what this is about, um, it's a small, sleepy Utah town gets an undead wake-up call when all the townspeople of Mormon faith suddenly transform into flesh-eating ghouls. Now, a group of non-believers unaffected by the mysterious epidemic must band together to survive the night and answer the burning question, how do you kill a Mormon zombie? You know, I didn't realize there were so many Mormon-themed films, and I feel like it's a tragedy that there's not, like, a weekly or at least a monthly, like, <laughs> online film watching something or other. Justin Rich is yeah. going to – I come into the comments probably and recommend Discord for it, I think, if anyone wants to organize such a thing. <laughs> that would be cool. We're all missing out. So, Shaun yeah. of the Dead, 2004, six years before this. I'm suspecting oh. a bit of a derivation. I think this is probably derivative. Oh, totally, yeah. All right. Electric Children. This is a, actually a really cool film with Julia Garner, who starred in Ozark. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Um, Not the movie, but Ozark, yes. Yeah, Ozark. That's a great film. and like She played Fantastic a awesome TV show. And she is she's an she's a 15 year old fundamentalist Mormon, and she feels like she was impregnated through music, and so she travels to Las Vegas to find the father of her baby, who whoever sang the song, and so literally she feels like the the song that she listened through these headphones made her pregnant, and so it's a really cool film from 2012. That's interesting, sort of an Agnes of God vibe. Did yeah, I get that but, right? Agnes of God? And she's several <laughs> months after her 15th birthday, and she's a fundamentalist Mormon girl. 
but it does seem odd, right? Like they're picking a person who is about to be um, taken advantage of in lots of ways in the community and then poses some other idea behind her getting pregnant. I think that's actually pretty creative. Yeah. So it's, it's with Billy Zane too and Rory, Rory Corkin and like she goes on Las she goes to Las Vegas and like a crazy um, trip experience as a innocent fundamentalist 15 year old girl. So yeah, I never and Rory Culkin will show up uh, this past year in 2022 in a LDS related movie too, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in he was in uh, Under the Banner Heaven. Yeah, good one. I did. That was, that's a good one. Sweet. The Falls. Did you guys see that? No. This dude, is this is a whole world that I did not even know existed until tonight. So this is a good one. This is a, a very low budget very well made though and it came out in 2012 and the filmmaker john garcia he was at he's actually a never mormon but he decided to write this and direct this and it's the story of two more missionaries that fell in love with each other and it did well enough in the film festival circuit that it, he created two sequels of it and it's I a love very this, this part in the middle of your comments there as as i was going through the slides before the show Garcia made the film PG level, although there is a brief nudity scene so that active Mormons could watch it. And I just laughed because I was like, yeah, that'll fix it. That'll make active Mormons watch it. The TV, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't help but just. <laughs> I was, thinking, sure. they no, go ahead, I was thinking they should have called this Shades of White. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be a good one. You said that it was good enough that they made two sequels. And again, I'm not speaking to the quality of this movie. I've not seen it. It, it probably is amazing. But Sharknado showed us that sequels don't mean anything about the oh, quality of, of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sharknado the like this. Yeah. The thing with this, like it was so low budget. I think it was like 15,000 that he made it and went, went in the film festival circuit. And like it became big enough of a fan base and just a solid, uh, it was a solid, you know, low budget film that about these two Mormon missionaries. Yeah. We've got a comment here um, from Facebook from Tom says that there's the the good media club that curates Mormon media such as films, series, theater, documentaries, podcasts, etc. I just wonder if that is that is Rebecca Biblioteca in on that as well. I, it sounds like it would be. Um, I know she does with Steve Pinecker Mormon media reviews. He does his show is Mormon book reviews. So it wouldn't surprise me um, that the good media club, which also sounds like her good book club, is that Rebecca's got a hand in this. Anyway, let me know. Yeah, Rebecca That's seems it. to be popping up everywhere. So getting to be where you yeah. can't swing a dead cat without hitting Rebecca Biblioteca <laughs> in the noggin. How many dead cats have anyway. you swung? <laughs> More than my share, I'll tell you that. Okay, it's a yes, it's confirmed. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, there's also on yeah. Facebook, there's another Facebook uh, group called Mormon Primetime episode oh, yes. it's it's by, it's done by uh sunstone so that's, that's and i think that's the more cool. modern stuff that's been coming yeah through, yeah they right? talk about all the new ones yeah all right uh next one okay missionary it's the uh fatal attraction of mormon exploitation movies and the tagline is mormon love is forever in this 2003 thriller Elder Brock has an affair with a married woman and becomes obsessed with her. He stops at nothing to to prove they should be together forever. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that the perfect name, Elder Brock, <laughs> of like a creepy missionary, Elder Brock? Yes, her name is probably Todd. 
Todd Brock? Uh, nothing. But anyway, okay. anyway, no, that I haven't seen this, but that that actually sounds like a very interesting premise. Am I the only person who has lived in a stake or ward where something untoward happened between a missionary and a married woman? When I served as a bishop, we sent four missionaries home in about a six month period, and each of them had made this sort of mistake without the uh, without the fatal attraction part of it. But wow. Yeah. wow, that's like the summer of forty two. Except in this case, it's not the year; it's the number of missionaries. Yeah, it was it was crazy for a little bit. Um, Anyway, maybe we'll have to do an episode someday. What year was what, what year was that, that that you're talking about, Bill? <clears throat> Let's see. So I joined in 97, 2007, probably around 2009, 2010, somewhere wow. in there. Yeah, when I was on a mission, you know, in late 90s, it feels like no one left home early. No one did any of those things. But now it's like it's become so different. Like people are leaving home, going home early and doing, you know, those type of things. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think I, I, to me, the darkest side of this film, I, I'm just thinking of what happened with the hate family in, uh, I want to say it was Enoch. Yes. The city of Enoch. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, this is quite literally what happened in real life, uh, tragically to a family. So I don't know. So I think, I think I'd probably <laughs> I had to have a harder time watching this one. Um, just knowing that it, it is that kind of uh, thinking you know, that the that ended an entire family of eight people and five children. So, yeah, you know, that's, oh, that was my thought on that one. And I guess so the, the creepiest scene of this of this whole movie is Elder Brock. I can't remember why, but this doctor, um, this some um, an American black doctor tries to get in Elder Brock's, Brock's way. And this Elder Brock ends up beating him. And as he's and he's beating him, he's quoting all these. Brigham Young, like racist Brigham Young quotes wow. as he's beating this this doctor. And it's like, mm. that was really deep and disturbing. What year was this one? Uh, 2013. Mm. Okay. All right. So this was an interesting, uh, this was, uh, they HBO did a, a show, Room at 104, where each episode was like 30 minutes in 2017 and the seventh episode they did one called the missionaries and it's about two more missionaries that accidentally turn on the tv to a porn channel and then it quickly goes downhill from there with beer coffee and the dreaded act of calling each other by their first name instead of elder but that, that's a actually a pretty cool i'm actually impressed with the number of movies here that i have had no clue about prior to this, you know, to us having you on and to talk about these. Right. So, so I'm impressed. Room 104. So, yeah. And so these are the short films. Uh, one of them is Bad Mormons. We all know about that name right now. But uh, we got to so, yeah, stop I'm, for a second. Did they get a lawsuit slapped on them? That's what I want to know. Did the Bad Mormons movie get a lawsuit slapped on them by the church? Yeah. That I was my what, question when I saw this slide. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what they think now. And like, what are, what, what are they saying about it? Um, so yeah, Bad Mormons, the 19 film, 19 minute film about Mormon missionaries that get into some crazy mischief. Killer Missionaries is also these are so all these films are on YouTube. You can type them up. Is actually it's a pretty fun dark comedy about missionaries that attempt to save a man from killing himself. 
But then, as always, SHIT happens, and then and then the Jehovah Witnesses show up. <laughs> Just when you thought it couldn't get any wackier. Yeah. yeah. And <sighs> and then the, this other one, this is really good. Did you guys see the touch of the master's hand? It was a, uh, actually it was uh, about two years ago. It premiered in Sundance, and it's a short film. And John DeLynn had the filmmaker on, and it's eleven minute film that deals with the missionary confessing his sins to his Mormon mission mission president about masturbation. And this was about so when I was doing my film, it's also about Mormons and masturbation. One of my actors found his um his casting call looking for and like talking about what the film was about about mormons and masturbation and she sent that to me and said can you believe like this is crazy like we're doing this film and he's looking for this right now so that was interesting but like that's a super good film super good 11 minute film you can watch on uh youtube and it's a it's a play off of the parable about uh, an old violin uh, at an auction house if that rings a bell for yeah. anybody um so it's kind of a, a yeah it's a cheeky wordplay there yeah so that yeah there is an episode with the uh with the director on mormon stories and it's that episode that actually um that i was trying to fix or add some details on in the show notes that that got me my uh well that i lost my youtube privileges over <laughs> at mormon stories for several months <laughs> before getting them back that's a story for another day but anyway Yep. Just a just a note too on bad Mormons. I think it's such a talking out both sides of their mouth. On one hand, we're walking away from the word Mormon. It's a victory for Satan. We're not going to use it anymore. We want we everyone to use the full name of the church. And anyone who uses the word Mormon, you have the risk of getting a lawsuit because we still own that word. We still want to we still want to own copyright of that and and not have anyone use it. That it seems so strange. It does strike me as you know a little kid who gets tired of playing with a toy and doesn't want it anymore until another kid picks it up and starts playing with it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Documentaries. Did you guys see either of these? The the uh the eight the Mormon proposition based on the the California Prop 8 um and it's the film is narrated by the former Mormon screenwriter Dustin Lance Black who helped create uh the Under the Banner of Heaven. And the 2018 documentary Believer, which features Imagine Dragons lead singer, singer Dan Reynolds, exploring how the LDS church treats the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I did see Believer, mm -hmm. and I so, want to see this uh, Proposition 8, the Mormon Proposition, or 8, the Mormon Proposition. I definitely want to see that, but I did see Believer. I thought that was very well done. I thought it was powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess at the time, Dan Reynolds was a pretty active yeah, open-minded, believing member of the church. I'm not sure how what his feelings are now. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah. Right. I, I, anyway, we'll proceed. I actually, I just barely noticed that for a believer that it's the temple spire in the middle of the hands. I actually just yeah, totally right, missed so. out on that earlier. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Someone was asking about this one. <laughs> I know Bill's going to yeah. have a few comments about this. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. medical case. Uh, the only so, thing I'll say is that, that this lady reached out to me recently, left me a ton oh. of voicemails. Um, she wanted to be on the show, didn't she? She wanted to be on the show, and she was really mad at me for leaving her one message. I left her one message, said, I'm really not interested, and I would I would prefer any communication between you and me to stop here and... I don't really want to proceed with having you on at all. 
And as far as I know, right, RFM, again, allegedly, I don't know if this has cleared itself or not, but at one time she was uh, charged with hitting some kid in her car on a bike. Like he was on a bike or guy was on a bike or something and she hit the person and she kept claiming that she wasn't mentally up to standing trial. And so they never proceeded. But it also seems strange that if that hasn't happened, that she's also well enough to reach out and be on a podcast. Yeah, there were definitely definitely some warning signs that I saw and we talked about yeah. and made her someone that we I mean, were- you know, like 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 this one right here, right? Right there. Like that right there. <laughs> um, you know, there's a few. She does seem so, to be very eager to continue telling her story from 40 years ago. Yeah. This one, I, I think, is really system. sad to me. Um, and this is an example of how patriarchal societies harm men as well as women. Because when when women are on the receiving end of sexual harassment and, and crimes over 90% of the time, in the rare cases where it's a woman misbehaving, or in this case, acting criminally, and the victim is a man, it gets ignored or it gets dismissed or disregarded, um, or worse, as with this man's story, this case, played off as a really hilarious joke. And the woman gets off with usually like just really light punishment, if anything at all, sometimes even gets congratulated. And so I think that's that's one of the issues here is that, um, yeah, just, just because you flip the genders uh, doesn't change the seriousness of... Right of the crime or the accusations. And I, I feel like it's something that we still see today that, you know, if, if it's a woman, we gotta, you know, just pander to her or sugarcoat things. And we're not gonna hold her accountable because this is all really hilarious and funny, you know, whereas for the man, we're just gonna be like, get over it. You know, like you're a big boy, you know, whatever. You had a, a young, beautiful woman kidnap you and have sex with you against your will. There's a word for that. And we call that rape, but you know what, but I, he had to have wanted it. So it couldn't have really been that. It's just, it's so frustrating. It's a, this is a really horrible thing, I think. And, and she's, I, you know, it says here in the, this part that she's basically claiming that it was Mormon leaders that brainwashed this missionary to saying he was kidnapped and forced to, you know, like he really wanted it. Yeah. It was the leaders you know, she's the real victim here, you know, because everybody's just making stuff up and being mean about it. I just, it just bothers me. I think mm. it's really horrible what happened to this guy and just, yeah, just how completely ignored he was over it. They didn't even believe him in the first place, I think, if that's right. I don't know. It's just sad. It's really sad what happened to him. Yeah, I'm old enough that I remember back in the late 70s when this uh, lady went on the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. And if you, that's at one o'clock in the morning, so it must have been during the summer when the school was not in session. But I mean, Tom Snyder, she was making him uncomfortable with the kind of allegations she was making. And he was trying to distance himself from her on the air. That much was obvious even to my teenage self. Yeah. So this story sort of continues in the background, doesn't it? Like this, this person, uh, Joyce um, McKenney, she is still in this Mormon space, interacting with people behind the scenes. You could say she's still milking it. Yeah. And so like what she says in the documentary as she says that um, she believes that it was the Mormon leaders who brainwashed the missionary into saying he was kidnapped. So she, she thinks it's like a huge conspiracy against the Mormon church, but it's, a, it's an interesting documentary, but it's a wild one. Yeah. 
So we have a commenter saying Hollywood wants to make it into a big budget comedy, and that would be tragic. I think if if that's the case, I think I heard I heard they're getting ready to make that into a movie. I'm not sure if that's true, mm -hmm. but I hope it's not a comedy. I just I, I guess yeah. we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. All right, next one. So I did a, a couple a little that bit lighter. Were, yeah, so a couple not quite post Mormon cinema movies, but they could still be related to the Mormon ism films in a way and uh th this one i want to do something about the waking up type genre such as the truman show the matrix and pleasantville, pleasantville. yeah yeah those are all really cool ones so one one underrated film that i hardly ever hear is the invention of lying and it's set in alternative reality where lying does not exist and ricky gervais plays the first person in the world that discovers how to lie and on his mother's deathbed, he decides to lie to comfort her and tells her that there's an afterlife. Soon word spreads and the whole world wants to know about the afterlife. He then gets, gets caught up in more lies and, and ends up creating his own religion and ends up waking up a lot of the world and himself. So it's that's it's a good comedy with a message. Great movie. Yeah, it's, it, people end up on his front lawn, and he comes out of the house, and they're like, "What did What did God tell you? You know what What did he say?" And so Ricky starts giving you know commandments and stuff. He starts giving the rules, and mm -hmm. uh, as you watch it, you're like, you know, the truth isn't too far from the fiction. You know, totally. Um, in terms of when people are sought after as authorities, and then they step up to the plate and begin declaring that they know things that a hundred years later will be disavowed or reversed. Yeah. On a related note, I mean, how many little YouTube clips come up in my feed about somebody, anybody, everybody and their dog dying, going to heaven and coming back with some message from Jesus or what the heck it was they saw there? NDEs. Yeah, yeah with hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I to, I might do one of those in the you future. Should. And I think end, I should just, do one of those. Yeah, at the end, just let everybody know it wasn't real. Well, why would I do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun. yeah. I I really liked the Truman Show, and I liked the Matrix also. And of course, the I love the show. Show. were shows that I saw beforehand as a believer, and of course, uh, I saw very differently uh, after leaving. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really cool, creepy movie that I watched. This called "Them That Follow," and it's about so it came out in 2019 it's about a group of pentecostal snake handlers and there are tons of scenes that feels as if they're inspired by mormon mormonism including the pastor's name is lemuel and tons of other parts so i thought when i was watching that there's this filmmaker has to be raised mormon and then after watching it of course i looked up the director uh brit Poulton, and found out sure enough she was raised mormon so mm. i really recommend them that follow it's a creepy uh, cult related film lemuel strangely is also the name of the uh, landlord that ended up buying the smith property when it bankrupted and the smiths continued to live there and they didn't really like the guy so just <laughs> fyi that's kind of a yeah, strange thing too that's certainly coincidence I think, I think lemuel together with zeke are the two most popular names in the appalachian region mm. I uh, like this comment here about heaven is for real. Um, I don't think that comes up in the slides, but I have heard this as well. This was made into a book of a young boy that basically had a, a near death experience um, and is 
and I have heard this as well that he's gone public saying it was based, a lot of it was done by his parents. Um, I totally remember he was Mormon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally he got angels, that. and he and he wants everyone to go to the temple so they can yeah. be together in heaven. Yeah, and just a lot of it was fed from like his parents huh. and both another faith yeah. promoting story down the drain. Yeah, kids say huh. the darndest things. Yeah. So I so what we just um, went through, I created so I wrote all that two years ago um, as I was creating my film, and then something very interesting happened. So I, I created that all in 2020. And then in 2021 and 2022, something very interesting happened. And that's when post-Mormonism cinema, cinema became mainstream. And this first one is Murder Among the Mormons in 2021. Yeah, I saw one. that one. Yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting one. So this was, um, you know, of course, it's about the Mark Kaufman case who uh, sold the forgeries to the church. And it was... Uh, co-directed by Jared Hess of Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. And this was one that a lot of um, believing members were willing to watch. So I, I know a lot of my family uh, saw it. So what was their take on it? Um, well, you know, the, the evil anti-Mormon is, a, you know, obviously a, a crazy guy. And this is what happens when you leave and, you know, the devil takes over you and you, and you become a, a, a bomber and, a, you know, a forger, clearly. Yeah, this was such a difficult time in the mid 1980s when these letters were coming out and then the, the explosions were happening and people were getting killed and all of this stuff. But in retrospect, now the LDS Church uses this in order and they've done this in general conference, use this as a cautionary tale about any member of the church. You should not be leaving over things that you learn about the church that are uh negative or that make you uncomfortable or that you disagree with because just look at what happened back in the 1980s with mark hoffman how people left the church over the letters then it was turned out they were forgery so there was no basis to it so that is used now to cover a multitude of sins in the present what about so the I'm, ones that left in that issue over elder oaks dishonesty yes so i so this is something my seminary teacher brought up and I, I distinctly remember this because this was one maybe like a very early almost shelf item for like teenage me who was super into church at the time and a very big Joseph Smith fanboy. So, yeah, I remember my seminary teacher talking about this and I, giving it that whole bent, you know, like this caused a problem for and people left the church over it. But it turns out like it was a forgery and it was kind of a just have faith. If it ever looks like something you hear in the news makes the church look really bad, it's, you know, it's probably not true. And then the truth will come out in the end and everything will be okay. That's kind of how it was done. But I remember, I distinctly remember him saying like people were trying to justify it and kind of work in this stupid salamander, like who would honestly believe something like that? But no, people were writing articles about like, this is actually symbolism for angels. And I just remember him laughing about it and it was years and years later that i found out it was dallin h oaks who wrote this article about basically seeing that symbolism like that's who it was from his picture was on the wall there in seminary class you know and he was being made fun of which i i think would be concerning for a seminary teacher if he thought about it or maybe he didn't remember who wrote it but anyway so that was a thing again that happened years and years later but at the time sitting in seminary um i like i i was i had this uncomfortable thought about 
yeah, the, obviously the people who left over this were were wrong and it's too bad they left over lies when, you know, it turned out not to be the case. But what about the members who stayed and who believed the lie and who were trying to work it in? Like they they believed the lie and just accepted it. And so I just had this one just tiny uncomfortable moment where I was like, is it worth it to believe a lie if that keeps me in the one true church of God, you know, where my salvation is? Um, and I, ha I just had a deeply uncomfortable feeling and just even considering that I would have to believe something false in order to keep my salvation intact, I guess. And then, I mean, I quickly just the cognitive dissonance, I, I, I slapped a bandaid on that and was just like, it's a good thing I never have to worry about that because this is the one true church. So I, I, I wouldn't have to believe a lie to be able to stay in this. So I don't have to worry Not about it. According to Elder Iring's father, you won't have to believe anything that isn't true in this church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In retrospect, what that showed me with Elder Oaks, who was, of course, leaning heavily upon farms and their research, uh, when he said and argued that a salamander was actually an angel, specifically the angel Moroni, and that you could understand the salamander as being mm -hmm. the angel Moroni, in retrospect, that lets me know that there is nothing that an apologist cannot justify in the LDS church. You only need three letters and HM and you're good as gold. All right. All right. On to the next one. Super disturbing. <sighs> all these, all the, all the Warren Jess ones are super <sighs> disturbing, but I think necessary in a way to watch. Just one you watch this. Yeah. Look that was extremely it. disturbing. Yeah. Oh, disturbing. yeah. I did a podcast about that. Uh, I think it was with Rami Empton Ruminations about a mm. review on this and just our thoughts about it. Yeah. It was just terribly, terribly disturbing. It was very effectively done, I think. It's it's really so tough to watch. All There's so many Warren Jeffs and FLDS documentaries out there. But the, the one good thing, in my opinion, about them is... I actually watched uh, about six, seven years ago, I watched a Warren Jeffs uh, documentary with a family member who was at the time a pretty, they were a true believing Mormon. And at the time when it was over, they said, what is the difference between what Warren Jeffs did and what Joseph Smith did? The only difference is 180 years, which like we kind of justify 180 years ago, but now it is looks is a terrible thing and that really that made them really broke their shelf thinking about comparing warren jeffs and joe smith at the time you forgot a very important point brent and that is that the past is a foreign country they do things differently there yeah. or joseph smith is a real prophet it's okay exactly. but it's not okay when it's not the real prophet. And people yeah. would regular marry uh you know 14 year old girls when they're 39 and like all that which we, right. and, and the thing is, even if we justify Joseph Smith somehow, then we have to move on to Brigham Young and John Taylor. And, and, and what we end up finding is like John Taylor's like 57 years old when he marries like 15 year old, you know? And so it's not like it's a, it's one and done. It's, it's that the next three or four leaders afterward are doing the same egregious acts and doing it indefinitely having sex like like we argue that joseph smith didn't have sex he didn't produce children okay let's set joseph smith aside did brigham young have sex did he have children did john taylor have sex 
did he have the argument falls apart but again apologists love to only have you deal with one point at a time and to isolate them away from all the other arguments Very another point about keep sweet pray and obey um so short creek or hildale colorado was just uh down the road from the little tiny town that i lived in uh in, it was almost dead center in between hurricane utah and the short creek area so i Avoided this one for a long time just because it's always been like a little too close, I guess, figuratively and maybe literally um, for me. And the, and especially when I did finally watch it, the very beginning, all of the establishing shots are the road that I, I drove, you know, back and forth to school, to church, to work, to, to everything. Um, and so it was really I, it was just kind of a moment to see like all of that same extremely familiar scenery to me uh, on that highway uh, towards that area. And um, I, I think it's uh, growing up in polygamy is a YouTube channel. They did a collaboration with John where they specifically go through the uh, similarities and differences of Joseph Smith and Warren Jeffs. Um, that, that was their take going through keep sweet, pray and obey. So if you want to look at the, you know, the comparison uh, or like a deep dive into that, I, I would recommend that one. So, yeah. All right. Next one. Or go ahead. I was Martin. just going to say something that is not really germane to this, but I just wanted to note this picture with Warren Jeffs and the two jail guards bringing him in to court. Um, they don't look too happy. Here's the thing. At the local jail, here's the unwritten rule, which I found out about a few years ago, is that if there's ever a case where there's reporters present or TV cameras rolling and you work at the jail and you get put on screen um, escorting somebody infamous into the courtroom, then the unwritten rule is that the following day, that deputy has to buy donuts for all the rest of the jail staff. Interesting. Oh, no. I just thought that was important to mention here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, Bill, you're muted. Sorry, just to show, thank you. Just to show the graphic, Lorenzo Snow's 57, Sarah Minnie Aframas, uh, age 15. I probably pronounced her name wrong. Look at John Taylor, 78 years old when he marries a 26-year-old. Brigham Young was 45 when he marries 16-year-old Lucy Bigelow. Wilford Woodruff is 46 when he marries 15-year-old Emma Smoot. Uh, J uh, Joseph F. Smith was 28 when he marries a 17-year-old. Again, Joseph Smith, in and of himself, doing some egregious things that deeply look like child grooming and predatory type of uh, behaviors. But even if we make excuses that work with Joseph Smith, the next three, four, five guys have the same sort of issue. And it's more demonstrable, one of my favorite words, more demonstrable that uh, that they're doing the very things that we try to excuse away and, and dismiss that Joseph Smith isn't doing. I find it deeply demonstrable, Bill. Thank you. I mean, not even that, but even apologists today. Um, Keith Erickson, I'm pretty sure this is the, the right clip that I'm thinking of. Uh, he brought up like polygamy in, in other societies, which again, like if other people are doing it, that makes it okay. But I remember he started to say a sentence and if I, I'm trying to pull the memory out as I'm saying it, but I think it was something like, um, boy, like if, you know, if that was put in place today, which is, you know, polygamy again, like, you know, if that were made a commandment today and he just kind of trailed off, it is like, I, that would be hard. And I was just like, so, so you would do it? Like, are you, you would marry a 14 year old? Like, is that, we're just, we're just like leaving that wide open. I just, so yeah, even, even people that I, I think are good men 
this is just a huge blind spot when I think you're raised in a way to try to excuse this kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. The biggest one I think of, of post-Mormon cinema that we've had, I really think it's probably the under the banner of heaven. Probably all, all three of you watched it, I assume. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've watched it twice. Yeah. I haven't seen this one yet. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Maven, why I know, not? Right. Well, because I had to watch Keep Sweet, Pray It Obey. I just a lot of these when I know they're gonna be dark, I don't really want to see them. Um I had to do the Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey one, but at this one I just the moment came and went. It's a little I'm triggering, sorry. isn't it? The stuff yeah. to watch these is triggering. It it is. You you, you gotta sit with some of the trauma that this decade spent in this religion did to you. Yeah. But I, I feel like keep sweet and obey. I think that was probably the most disturbing one. Mm. And like this has, this has some uplifting moments, I think, but yeah. I certainly have there are a lot of disturbing aspects to it. Very disturbing Him sitting story. in the car with uh, Sandra and Gerald Tanner's book. Um, oh, Shadow what's the reality? Name? Yeah. Shadow Shadow reality. Reality. The red, the red cover medicine. version. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, Man, I think I think everybody in the chat has had that sort of moment as, as they've reckoned with Mormonism. I will just say that although I have not watched as many movies as you have, Brent, um, I found the murder scene in this movie not graphic, but the most disturbing that I have ever seen in any movie. I yeah, I think it was. It was, I, I don't know if it was that graphic, but yeah, it is definitely, it's disturbing. Like I, I, I had mixed emotions watching that, thinking about the family watching it, but I mean, it's hard at the same time thinking like you walk that fine line, you want it to be true, but at the same time you think about the family members watching that. So that was just, it was just so tough watching that scene. And it actually, it showed more than I was expecting. And also, RFM on your podcast, you play uh, it's like a twenty-year-old interview with one of the Lafferty brothers, right? Yes, yes. That was also a disturbing listen because, like, after all this time, he just he is still that certain that this came from God that he has zero remorse over it, and he even kept using like the scriptural phrase from the um, um, from Nephi. You know, being led beforehand, not knowing what I, you know, the things that I should do. Um, yeah, so that's an interest. If people want to hear more, um, that's an episode that you can check out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the most chilling thing for most people is to hear a person who you know is a murderer of a woman and her baby talk about it as right. casually as what he went to the store yesterday to pick up for dinner. And the interview you could tell was having a hard time with that, just like uh, almost stuttering at some points, like, you know, asking, what do, don't you feel bad about your niece? Like, like she could be in high school right now or something. And he was just kind of like, mm. you know, and, and yeah, the, I just, I remember the interviewer have like struggling to know what to even ask next, I think at that point. Um, and even, uh, I think he asked, well, you know, what, what would you say if, uh, someone else said that they were getting revelation from God to to murder somebody, and I think I just remember hearing that and thinking like, oh, this. I mean, you. I I know that you think that that's a good question that that might 
make things click for this guy. But I mean, I, even I knew then like the, what his answer was going to be. And yeah, he was just like, well, if somebody thinks they're getting revelation from God, I, who am I to tell them to ignore that? And I, I, I think the poor interviewer, I think was speechless at, at least for a little bit at that point. But yeah. I remember that part. Yes. Who am I to tell them? I don't want to get crosswise with God if he's telling somebody to go kill somebody. Yeah. yeah that, that's really, I can't think of really any other, like under the banner of heaven, like almost every sentence and scene has to do with like Mormonism. And like, it's, it's really pretty, we're just really unique in that aspect. And certainly that is so mainstream. It's um, yeah, really crazy. And I will, I'll get to it to, to all the people in the chat that are, are horrified and scandalized that I haven't seen this. And <laughs> I, I did post the, I did post the Lafferty interview in the comments as well from RFM. Okay. All right. You know, so okay. a couple of people are, are bringing up in the comments, um, uh, the alien film. Yes. What was Battlestar Galactica? Oh, that one too. Was but, that it? Um, or no. no what, what's the one with the Travis, uh, uh, under the uh, um, fire in the sky, yeah. About about some Mormons oh. that supposedly get um, abducted. Snowflake, the... Arizona. Yeah, that's it's actually a really cool, creepy movie. I saw that. Yeah, it's about abduction, right? Yeah, uh, by yeah, a UFO. The true story about they this guy that gets abducted by an alien, and they're I don't he and I, I don't know if the rest of them were Mormon, but I'm, it was an interesting, solid movie, creepy, very creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Are we oh, oh yeah. I was just gonna say about battles. I haven't seen it, but my understanding is that it's basically a, a futuristic take on um on the story of Nephi. That's all I know. So interesting. Yeah, well, Star Wars was big in 77, and so here along comes was it Glenn Larson? Was he the producer? I don't know. Not Gary Larson, the cartoonist. Anyway, he comes up with this thinly veiled Star Wars. Um, slash Book of Mormon TV series that get apparently is very popular. I think I tried to watch it once and I couldn't bear it. Uh, irony of ironies, it's got all this Mormon stuff in it, and it was on Sunday evenings, as I recall. <laughs> so that was another reason I didn't watch it. You there kept you the go. Sabbath day holy. Well, we've got a name that the chat always comes through. So Glenn Larson. Yeah. Yeah. And was it was it somebody I can't remember the guy before he was on A Team? Remember there was uh is it Dirk Benedict or somebody before he was on A Team? Is that who yeah. played face? Yes, on A Team, exactly. <laughs> he was in that. And you know, you've got um Lorne Green, fresh off the Ponderosa, and now he's playing the 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 Captain Kirk to all these guys and the Cylon. It was horrible. It was absolutely atrocious. Even a, even a, an 18 year old me. Could not find anything redeeming about it. But then again, I didn't like Buck Rogers in the 21st century either. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, that, yeah. Uh, another user just brought up is The Expanse. It's a series. There's a lot of Mormon aspects to that, including the spaceship they have is is on the end of it. It's the, the Angel Moroni um, from the temple. Uh, so it's interesting series. And it's named Nauvoo, I guess. Yeah. Really? And there's a bumper sticker on it. There's a bumper sticker on the end of it that says honk if you love Moroni. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All, All right, right. So yeah, just, just two more and then I'll talk briefly about my film. So Sins of Our Mother, another super disturbing one about yes. Chad Daybill and Lori Vello. Not a not an entertaining 
film oh, either. I mean, it's good, horrific. but it's just, right. it's just, yeah, it's, it's horrific. Yeah. Last one, Mormon, no more. Did you guys see this? I did. I actually didn't see. That. I saw ten minutes of this, and that's it. I haven't, but did I met not... some of the people were in it at the at the um, premiere of the the Return of Elder Pingree. So oh, I didn't. Now Is I really reason... need to watch it. I'm sorry, Maeve. Britt, was there a no, reason just... you only watched ten minutes of it? No, I just I, there's just other stuff going on, and I, I want to see it, but I just. I, I know what it's about, but I I just haven't I haven't seen it. It was hard. Those three all came out at one time, pretty much. You know, yeah. those keep it's crazy how mainstream. Yeah, under the banner of heaven, months. Mormon no more. And so I haven't seen this one either, mainly because I was overwhelmed at the time by under under the banner of heaven and yeah. saw a little bit of keep sweet. But yeah, and those were really heavy ones. Um, yeah, I do want to show just. Um, a real quick TikTok from one of our listeners, Maggie, that just kind of about this Mormon moment. Oh, sorry. Let me start from the beginning. Oh, that's anyway, that's, that's it. It, <laughs> it really is overwhelming, especially when the, all the disturbing ones. So, right. yeah. Oh, for yeah, the days so of... Oh, for the days of Brigham Young and 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just talk about... Uh, now that you've primed the pump, movie, Brent. <laughs> a certain movie that's upcoming post-Mormon cinema. And in the beginning, in 2019, I was a filmmaker trying to make my first feature film by pitching my screenplays to producers and investors. Most of the projects were low budget, but still needed some type of budget. I finally became tired of waiting around asking for permission to make a movie. I remember to quote, write what you know and make it with whatever you already have access to. So I wrote a script about an awkward Mormon boy and I made the whole thing in my bedroom. All right. I think that's the last one. Oh, no. No, there's no, two sorry. more. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So the film is inspired by Boy K. Packer's 1976 Little Factory talk. Mormonism live. Better than touching your own little factory. Yeah. In the talk, Packer likened reproductive systems of little factories and talked about the evils of touching your own little factory. And the film is also inspired by a supposed anti-masturbation pamphlet Apostle Mark E. Peterson wrote for the youth. One of his, his suggestions on how to keep yourself from committing that evil sin is to tie your hands to your bedpost while you sleep. Yeah, that won't tell so, mom and dad anything, will it? <laughs> yeah. So my movie is called Ronald's Little Factory, and it is the night before he leaves on his mission, Ronald becomes tempted to commit a sin that is only two steps below murder. So being the perfect Mormon that he is, Ronald handcuffs his hands to his bedpost to keep himself from co committing that horrible sin. Unfortunately for him, he becomes stuck. Even worse is when his overbearing mother finds him in his predicament and is forced to call in all the peculiar members of the ward to come help free poor Ronald. And the film will be premiering in Lehigh, Utah next week on the 23rd. And that film will actually be hosted by my brother, David Bakavoy. And the uh, just three days after that, I'm going to be do, doing another showing at Bruvies in Salt Lake City on the 26th. And that will be Sunday at 2.30. And that will be hosted by my former missionary companion, Moroni Benali, which is an amazing, brilliant guy. And then I will be doing a San Diego screening in my hometown. 
and that's on March 2nd, and that will be um, hosted by Alicia Lee, who does a lot of cool um, yeah. post-Mormon TikTok stuff. Uh, she's, I think, at Faith Unraveled. Um, yeah, and so Bill is posting uh, links to tickets, and It'll, I yeah, haven't decided second, which yeah. one I'm going to, but I definitely I want to come to one of these. I'm still kind of considering the idea of uh, crashing the party at Thrive this weekend. Um, so if I if I end up deciding on that, I'll I'll see the one on the twenty. You mean next weekend? Or, yeah. Well, I mean not this weekend, but the next weekend. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is there, not to freak anyone out. <laughs> is there anything going to be in Southern Utah? You going to come this way, Brian? No, I was. I eventually I will, um, but not not right this second. When you're ready to do that, let's talk. I'd love to help you put that together with a crowd. I think that would be awesome. And I think we we have a trailer, right? Um, yes. For the film, we're ready. Yeah. Okay. So I shot this entirely in my bedroom in seven days and it's the whole, so it's just all about um, Ronald who is handcuffed to his bedpost and just every few minutes, a a new member from his ward comes to try to free him. And of course they give a lecture on the evils of masturbation and it's a dark comedy um, that uh, I hope will be cathartic but and also liberating for um post-mormons to come and see that in a big group all right i'm loving yes, the wallpaper be. i'm gonna say that by the yes, way before you we get be. to the bring him oh. to the premiere guy i was gonna say <laughs> someone mentioned that, that this should be made into a musical i just wanted to throw out there that rebecca biblioteca is just finishing work on a song that was inspired by this movie i think the working title is called 50 ways to not spank your monkey <laughs> okay I've actually thought uh, that is hilarious. And I actually thought about a musical maybe someday, maybe not, but that is hilarious. All right, here's the trailer. Can't believe my little boy will receive the priesthood tomorrow. If you pass. Within your body, you have the power of creation. It might be likened to having a little factory in your body. Do not be guilty of tampering or playing with this sacred power of creation. It is of the devil. Latter-day Saint young men are not to do this. It is of the devil. It is of the devil. Ronald! No, 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 wait, wait, mom, mom, wait, wait, mom, mom, no, ow! I didn't do anything, I was, I was trying out a magic trick. Ah, I saw Star Search! This is my house, and you will not contaminate it with your sick sexual games. I call it Sister Hissum. Really, mom, the Release Society president? I need social support right now, Ronald. You wasted God's seed. How many little babies did you kill in releasing your seed? I'm not calling you a murderer, but those are my grandbabies. I can't find the keys. What do you mean you can't find them? They aren't there. Matthew 5.30. If your right arm offend thee, cut it off. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. Pluck it out. The Holy Ghost shocks me every morning when I'm bent over on my knees. 
in prayer. It is of the devil. It is of the devil. It is of the devil. <laughs> so that's it. Ronald's Little Factory. That's my slideshow. That looks fantastic. Oh, and go. we talked earlier today, and I was talking about how this reminded me all being shot in the same room of Rear Window. Yeah, I love Hitchcock, huge inspiration. And like we're talking about the rope, rope is so good. It's all set in one one room too. Mm. So um, yeah, literally just ninety nine percent of it, just one tiny little bedroom, and it was my own bedroom too. So yeah, and it's there's. Creepy is the parts, wallpaper like, original, or did you change the wallpaper for the film? I, I changed the wallpaper. I, okay. I spent a few days doing that, yeah. And actually, I saw her I the other day. She said she was a little apprehensive because she doesn't like horror films. I said, it's not a horror film. It's a dark comedy. There's some creepy elements, and I hope it's – I hope it's. Uh, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Yes. I, I was a liberated I, experience for a lot I of people. I feel like – yeah, I feel like it's going to be like – equal parts just intense cringe and like secondhand triggering i mean the priesthood voice in that you know and then First equal and parts hand. yeah just like laughing my head off so yeah i i heard someone I, I, this was actually she was with me at the premiere faith uh she was saying she knew someone just watching the trailer it was the relief society uh president's voice that just she's like can't can't do it that oh, was too right. triggering for her yeah and so oh. it's just kind of funny to me that like in this in kind of a, a, a creepy dark comedy that it's it's things like that that triggers members of the church it's just like the voice of the relief society president that's what makes it dark and creepy not like yeah. the subject matter of the film uh for some people anyway totally Brent, when yeah. when this so if folks can't make it to any of these premieres when this thing is finally, uh, kind of published and released to the to the uh, public and general audience. Where can folks find this? Uh, it should be probably this summer, the next three or four months. It'll be it'll be released online eventually. But I I'm going to do these few screenings, and then I might even come back in two months and do maybe a St. George and probably another Utah uh, screening, and then eventually I'll put it online in the next three months or so. Love it. You know, one of the things about this clip, I haven't seen the movie, but that really struck me is that, of course, I'm aware of Boyd K. Packer's talk from 1976, Priesthood General Conference, which you can no longer find on the church's website because that has been unceremoniously and unannouncedly removed. So it's no longer there as if it had never occurred in the first place, but at least it's being preserved here. But this whole idea and also the Marky Peterson pamphlet with all the helpful suggestions about how it is that you don't masturbate with the handcuffs and everything. It's one thing for me to look at that and hear it and think how ridiculous it is. But it was another thing entirely for me to look at your film, at least the trailer, and see what it looks like when an individual actually takes it seriously and does those things. And to me, it was much more powerful to see it than just to read about it. Well, that was me. That, that's it's based on my life. I was the perfect Mormon boy, and like that, Ronald is me. And ev so every single character in the sh in the screening is actually based on someone that I knew from. And they were actually they were they were up until the day before I shot, they were all, all named the exact person. And I actually I talked to my other brother as he was a lawyer, and he said you probably should change it. 
And he's he's a uh, also you wanted to mention he's a huge fan of you, uh, RFM, and and uh, he would love to meet Sweet. you. And I got you're saying that in you, there. you couldn't just put in the you know in the front that like it's what is it that you know any any reference or any similarities to like named persons is purely coincidental. You couldn't just slap, slap yeah. that in front. And yeah, well, that, that, that is definitely that is definitely in there. But yeah, I'm glad I I'm glad I um I took that took that advice. Uh, yeah. They're still very yeah. similar. They're still very similar names, but every there's a lot of lawsuits is... and threats of lawsuits going around in this Mormon arena right now. So <laughs> it's yeah. like wars but, and rumors of wars. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any phone calls? Let me uh, let's take a look. I think we do have a couple. Know, so let me had turn the number been up for a little bit. Yeah. So we it's have six, six, two, six. Can I do this? Six, six, two, six, six, seven, six, 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 seven or six, six, two Mormons. Yeah, and we do have a couple. So it looks like maybe uh, we have a Joe. Joe, is that you? Is that the name? Hello? Caller. Hello? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's the name? Uh, uh, Becky. Okay, Becky, you are on Mormonism Live. What's uh, What's on your mind? Oh, I was just wondering why... <laughs> Why the the film uh, Virginia was never discussed with Ed Ed Harris and and um, and Jennifer Connelly. I mean, Ed Harris plays a wayward uh, bishop. He's also a sheriff. Um, it's an awesome movie. I mean, I I think it's a mainstream Netflix or something. What What's movie is it again? You know, he's. He, Virginia. Virginia called Virginia is in the state of Virginia, and um, yeah, Jennifer Conley and Ed Harris, awesome. I love you know, Ed Harris. He, he he ends up he ends up picking her up from um, she she's put into like a juvenile facility. She's like sixteen or seventeen. He picks her up. They start having an affair, even though he's in a, a bishop with a really fine family, right? I mean, he has a very uh, good Mormon family. His wife is Relief Society. It's, it's a really good film. And um, Sheriff Dick Tipton. But he continues to have this, he continues to have this affair with Jennifer Conley um, until things go wrong and they're not sure if her, her teenage son is really his, his I mean, it, it's a long, you know, it's, they have this relationship for years, and it's all about um, this bishop getting tied up by her to have sex. I mean, it, it's a pretty amazing look at at all of the um, at the kind of uh, uh, sexual repression and how that affects you know um, individuals and how they can actually. Um, become predators to others because of it. So mm. that's all. Thank, well, you, know, thank I, you. Thank you, Becky. I did hear that. I, briefly. I, I, I wish you guys, I really wish you guys would have talked about it because it's, it's really good. Well, thanks yeah, to you. I, we've covered it now. That does sound I, like an excellent movie. I hear about Ed that, Harris. Oh, go ahead, Brent. I'm sorry. I just did say that's, that's, I remember that that's, that's, that's directed by Dustin Lance Black who did under the, who wrote, uh, under the, the banner of heaven, I remember hearing about that. I haven't seen that yet. Right, yeah, when I hear right, about, right, and, right. I'm sorry, really? Virginia. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's not Virginia. That's Becky. Becky. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Becky. Yes, there really is a Santa Claus. Yeah, that's not Santa Virginia. Claus. <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> yes, but yeah, so thanks. And I, I hope you can let people know that. And Maven has to watch it. Maven, you have to watch it. Okay. You must watch that, Maven. I have we will a long not take list no for now. An answer. Because of you, Becky, we covered it. So now, it's, right. now it's part of the record. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. I appreciate All right, that. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I can't hear about Ed Harris without thinking about the right stuff, which could have been the working title for your movie, Brent. Yeah, right. All right. So I want to. We have uh, actually Thomas Murphy on here on another uh, documentary in layman's terms, which is very clever title, looking at Lamanite identity, and uh, the second one is Into America: The Ancestors' Land. Thank you, Dr. Murphy, um, for for chiming in with that. Perfect. And then the next call here is from, I believe, Ryan. Ryan, you're on the air. Is that the name? Yes. All right, Ryan. my friend. You're on Morgan um, Live. Yeah, um, I, I'm the one who brought up the uh, bomb threats about latter days. And so I want to talk about that a little bit more since so many people seem surprised by it. Um, yeah. I think more people would have remembered. Um, but yeah, I remember when that movie was coming out, like I was kind of really excited for it because I was just coming out as a gay man. Um, I had, I actually had PTSD from my mission experience. And so like this was kind of a big coming together of like a movie addressing stuff that I, you know, was really big to me. Um, and it was like less than a week before the movie was supposed to come out, there were bomb threats at theaters. Um, I believe the uh, theater at Trolley Square in Salt Lake City was a major one that got a bomb threat that I remember. And they started pulling the movie. They were like, okay, we're not going to show it. And it wasn't just they pulled it. They started pulling, bringing out, um, I remember one guy particularly who was kind of like a film critic or I later, later learned that he taught cinema or, or filmmaking at Beauty College. Um, but he came on saying like, oh, they're not pulling it because of, you know, threats of violence. They're pulling it because, oh, it has no um, merit as a, you know, film. It's so poorly made. It's so bad. It's not worth showing. And I was like, uh, what? Um, but I did eventually see it. Um, by renting it from Blockbuster, which I bring that up because I remember when it came out there, there was a whole campaign of, of people asking Mormons to write into Blockbuster saying like, oh, this movie is so offensive, it needs to be pulled from the shelves. Um, and I watched it, had a tremendous emotional reaction to it. Um, I mean, it really cut off my PTSD watching it. Um, it was a profound move. I actually ended up buying a copy too because it's so meaningful to me. But I actually wrote into Blockbuster during that campaign to say, hey, no, keep this on the shelf. This is a meaningful movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just wanted to let you know, like, yeah, there, there was a whole whirlwind of controversy over latter days coming out. Um, people were really insistent on, like, not letting it be seen, not, not letting people have access to it. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that was really the probably the most disturbing, really well made, but probably the the most triggering movie out of all of the all of these shows. Like it's it's so tough. Yeah, there was another commenter who had brought up another couple of movies that I think you just removed that comment from the screen. Uh, yeah. I had never heard yeah. of those either. What were those? Um, one was abducted in plain sight. Um and shoot, I'm sorry, I just took it down. It's now like up the line, so well, that's about the and smart case. And I'll just case. say, abduct, abducted in plain oh, sight was great. And friend and, of the family. Yeah. Yeah. It was 
it was horrific too. It's about this young girl who the, you know, the Mormon parents, the neighbor man spends a lot of time with this girl and he ends up having a sexual relationship with her and deeply manipulates her and coerces her. But in the midst of also doing this horrific thing with this child, he's also manipulating the parents into a sexual relationship to the point where like the dad who says like, Hey, I'm as straight as can be ends up giving the, this neighbor guy, I'll just say a handy and the guy, the, the, the father, the parent basically says like, I thought that's what you do for a friend, you know? And it's so extreme in terms of how people, you wonder how people can be manipulated into doing what you would think is the most absurd thing that someone could manipulate you into doing. And yet that's very much what happens to this family. Wow. And not only that, but I think there was also um, behind doing that, just getting, having something over the parents as well, which also helped him to have even like further control and influence over them because he's got some pretty bad dirt on both of them now. So the, the mother and the father and um, yeah, it was pretty sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of little known Mormon movies uh, quite a while back, there was a Mel Gibson movie that was based at least partially on the LDS temple endowment. I don't know if you saw that it was called signs. (laughs) It was called signs. I was really yeah. curious, like when you're talking about that. Oh man, what is it that I don't know? And then yeah. swing yeah. away, Meryl. Swing um, away. I like this one. I've heard this. Yeah, that's New a good York one. New York Doll. Doll. Yeah, yeah, this one's a documentary um, about the the rock group, and I I've seen uh, parts of it. it. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, the, this member I know, like he's he's in a Mormon ward, and then there's this. Uh, I mean, towards the end of his life, there's a, a reunion of the band, and I think the ward like helped pay for or like helped him be able to reunite and do this kind of uh final concert and it was it was interesting it was very interesting yeah, was, i recommend that, that one. one yeah sweet um any other thoughts here as we kind of close this out yep thanks a lot for having me guys it's awesome talking i'm a big fan of every one of you so that was fun uh, yeah it was really fun talk about post-mormon cinema mormon cinema and past and the future and we've and got a lot of people asking for a list to be in the show notes so uh we'll see what we could do for that. yeah yeah I've, I've made a few notes of the ones people mentioned virginia and the the abducted at first or in plain sight and then i'll add the ones that he's got in the slideshow as well and uh, we'll put a list together so folks can kind of catch up on that and i just got to say brent i i can't wait to see ronald's little factory i'm i'm super excited awesome <laughs> my pump is primed Sorry, that just struck me as funny the way you said that, Bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, Ronald's little. Yeah, I, yeah, almost, I gotta almost do aroused see, at it. Yeah, everybody, run George. out and see Ronald's little factory. <laughs> yeah, sweet. I'm gonna do St. George version uh, and uh, screening, and maybe even want to host it. I, I'm happy to help in any way you want. That'd be awesome. Sweet, let's get together. Awesome. And otherwise, uh, super excited to have you on tonight. And it was fun to go through those. A lot of those I knew about, but I had forgotten. Some of those I've not seen, and now I want to chase down. And some of those, I never want to see the cover or the movie again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have a great night, guys. Bye, everyone. Mormonism Live. Better than touching your own little factory. (laughs) 